Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome to Ladies Who London podcast. I'm Emily Dell. And I'm Alex Lacey and we are qualified London Blue Badge Tourist Guides. Each week we bring to you some of the best bits of London. We talk about our favourite people, places and events with a bit of information, a lot of laughs and a whole lot of fun. We can be found on Instagram at Ladies Who London podcast. And on our websites, guideemily.com and alexlacey.com, as well as our dedicated website, ladieswholondon.com, where you can find out more information about us, the podcast, and what it's all about. I genuinely was thinking in the middle of that, we haven't messed up for a long time. I just thought I'd put, you know, a little uh, little pause in there. Why not? <laughs> How are you, Em? I'm very well. Happy Easter and all that. Happy Easter. Happy Easter. Yes. Did you have a weekend full of eggs? Um, I had a weekend full of work, uh, which is why I'm very hoarse now. I overdid the, uh, the 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 talking, and so I'm I'm ridiculously hoarse. Um, and apparently, chocolate doesn't help that. So you know, what can you, what are you gonna oh. do? <laughs> well, I ate far too much chocolate. You surprise and, me. And uh, I've got a real problem with my wisdom tooth coming through as well. <laughs> so now I can't eat any chocolate right now because it really hurts. Oh. Yeah, but um, but yeah, it's fantastic. A little Easter egg hunt. Well, welcome to Alex and Emily's medical podcast where we talk <laughs> about our, our medical issues. Our ailments, <laughs> yes. Please write in if you've got an ailment that you need fixing. <laughs> we won't be able to help at all, but you know, we can have a chat about it. We'll, we'll, give, we'll give you the Tudor remedy instead. <laughs> yeah, exactly. A couple of leeches, you'll be fine. So where was your Easter egg hunt? Um, it was in Bournemouth, so we're at Nick's family's oh, nice. uh, home. And yeah, it was lovely, yeah. Just so many eggs, so so much chocolate, <laughs> and uh, yeah, it was great. Carmen's first little Easter. Oh, bless her! Did she have any clue what was going on? No, not at all, not at all. But uh, but yeah, smiling all day, bless her. Oh, she's smiling, smiling. Yes, she is smiling now, Alex, and she actually is happy in other people's arms. Has she, has the, has the devil left her? I don't think the devil has completely <laughs> left her. It's that kind of smile that you kind of want to be a little bit, all, you know. A little bit worried about. <laughs> but um, the whole calling her the haunted baby thing has absolutely taken off. Brilliant. I have got so many messages from people saying how the haunted baby. <laughs> <laughs> oh, poor little Damien. Oh, really. <laughs> she yeah. did it again the other day, didn't she? she we were did. there with loads of friends and she just stared through me. I know. Stared through me. Completely through you. Hilarious. I don't know what it is. I don't know what it is. 
She's haunted. Anyway. We know what it is. Mm. Anyway. Well. So, go on. Well, I was just going to say, on with the pod. <laughs> on with the pod. Absolutely. I'm going to let you do most of the talking because I'm pretty hoarse at the moment. Uh, but it's your week this week. It is my week this week because last week you gave us a lovely uh, rendition. I don't know if you can rendition? call it a rendition. <laughs> Not really a rendition. Um, I didn't sing your way through the episode. but um, Luckily for everybody listening. about gore and uh, the, the horror of the um, body snatching. A bit o body snatching. Hmm. Mm. And it was fantastic. Who, Loved who it. knew there was a season for body snatching? Yeah, who knew? Who knew? No, but loved it. And we've had some fantastic comments. People loved it out there as well. Um, and, you know, people want the goth action. They do. They do. Mm. And it's funny because, I mean, I've got, I seem to be adding to my list of things that I fancy talking about with lots of gothy stuff at the moment. What is that about? We're going to have to switch it over. I'm going to be I'm talking about the kind of like the pleasure, the, you know, the sexy stuff. Sexy stuff. I don't know. Just when you think you've got a handle on the world and it turns on its head. (laughs) Madness. Absolute madness. But at the end of the episode, we picked our podcast pedestal faves. We did. Do you remember what you went for? Um, No. Hang on. Yes, I do. No, hang on. What did I go for? I went for the London Burkers. Yes. James May. Um... John Bishop and Thomas Williams, who were the London version of the guys mm. who went round basically murdering in order to have fresh cadavers to sell to the uh, the surgeons. Which, I mean, frankly, if you're going to try and, and create and, and supply an industry, I mean, they're very enterprising. They might not be nice, but they're enterprising. Oh, it's like the 18th century version of the Likely Lads, isn't it? It's just these <laughs> free men just out and about of an evening yeah. with their space. Or not, as the case may be. Whacking people over the head and uh, yeah, over the head. and selling them on. Yeah, so it's a great choice. Um, and what was your uh, pick? So I went for the malt safe. Yeah. And the malt safe was the, the cages. Um, you described these kind of things that lived over the top of burials to stop people from getting at them and digging down and I just uh, I found it such a morbid morbid thing and so sad because you know when you go to somebody's grave you want to you want to remember all the good and stuff and suddenly seeing this aggressive cage <laughs> yeah. just makes you think going don't steal granddad's body yeah, exactly is he still there that's what we want to know <laughs> um, um, so so that. which way do you think it's gone this week well, I'm. I think that it's probably quite close. Okay. But I do think, from your expression right now, <laughs> your horsey expression. My horsey expression. Because you're horse, not. Oh, you I see. Like not that I look like a horse. <laughs> <laughs> um, I think it's gone your way. Well, um, it was not that close. And to be Ooh. fair, I've been needing a win lately, so I was a bit worried. It is, uh, hang on, what is it? I've, I've lost my numbers now. It was 63, 66% to 34%. And it's gone to me! I wanted you! Yay! Oh, Finally, I was starting to get About a complex. Time. Everybody out there was going, bloody hell, <laughs> is Emily going to snatch another win? <laughs> no, is the answer, no. No, 
is the answer. Damn you, how about you? Oh. Yeah. So I think at the moment it is six eight. Yeah, yeah, all right, whatever. Eight six to me. Yeah. Whatever. Yeah. Well there we go. There Onwards. Um do you have any shout outs this week? Um oh I feel like I do actually, yes. Um and I had a couple of lovely ladies come on my harlot's walk this last weekend just gone um who in fact i had a few people some people came on my street art walk um sophie hi sophie um sophie broadbridge who came on uh, my street art which i was doing for london walks it was lovely to see her and then i had two ladies who came on my harlot and there was one lady who came who'd never heard of the podcast at all and she just found my my tour randomly on eventbrite and came along so that was quite nice um nice. Oh, and it was, um, so the, the three ladies who came on were Eva, Katerina and, and Roisin. So hello, ladies. Thank you all so much for coming. It was lovely to meet you all. And uh, yeah, I'll see you on some more tours soon, I hope. Lovely. What about you, Em? So we've had a lovely little message on Instagram from Gina Marie. And she says, happy Easter. As happy I've gotten older, happy Easter, I get the yearly chocolate bunny from family members. To my surprise this year, I get this beauty. And she sent a, a photograph of a small version of the 1kg bunny that was obviously <laughs> out there as the competition. Sure. Um, she said, it's not as big as the ones given away, but a small win for everyone who couldn't enter. <laughs> couldn't enter. Very sweet. And also... We had a lovely message from a woman called Sarah Penley, and she says, I've been listening to your pod religiously since my trip to the UK was cancelled in May 2020. Oh. I have to say, though, that I'm the tiniest bit glad it was cancelled because when finally I rebooked for May or June this year, my plans are all the better because of your special knowledge and expertise. Oh, thank you so much. That's so lovely. Uh, from uh, Sarah in the USA, from Maine. Thank you, Sarah in Maine. How exciting. I love hearing from people outside the UK. Not that I, I don't know. God, people in the UK exactly. as well. But... <laughs> well, Sarah, when you do come, I hope you have a fantastic trip. I'm sure yeah. it'll be amazing. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Um, and as, you know, in regards for tours, um, mm. just putting it out there, Emily is going to be back on the road. Yes. Yes. Um... So we were talking about the possibility of doing some Lady to London walking tours. The honest answer is at the moment... Um, the, the season has kicked off and we've slightly been caught on the hop. So we're not quite in the position yet of being able to get some up and running. So for the summer, Emily is now available for, for private bookings, if you want that. Um, <laughs> She's yes. dumping the child, basically. The haunted <laughs> baby. The haunted baby is going in for um, uh, sort of... You know, daycare. A couple of a couple of days of daycare. Thursday. Well, I was going to say being being you know looked at by a priest a couple of days a week. <laughs> yeah, that as well. Yeah, we're going to try and get us some help. <laughs> I'm calling it daycare. <laughs> Actually, an exorcism. <laughs> yeah, I think it's probably going to take six months. Every Thursday and Friday. Um, but no, I'm going to I'm going to be open to to work from Thursdays to Sundays. So. We'll see what happens. And I will shortly put up some more public walking tours on my website. I've been a bit lax about it just because I've been so darn busy. But mm -hmm. I will put some up soon. So uh, keep checking and um, they will be there in a little bit. Right. right, on with this week's pod. Let's get on with this week's pod. <laughs> Where are we going? We're, you're bringing on the pleasure this week, Emily. Bring Come on. Bringing on the pleasure. So we are going to be enjoying the pleasure of London's Pleasure Gardens. Woo! Yes, woo indeed. 
whoop and holler um the wheel landed in Vauxhall so I decided to talk about uh, a pleasure garden that took over Vauxhall for about 150 years so we're going back into a time that Alex and I constantly talk about on our pods and this is the 18th century and when it comes to this time entertainment was everything People loved to go out. People loved to do things. People yeah. loved to learn about what was going on as well. And you had what was known as this kind of um, this age of commercialism. This commercialised leisure suddenly came to be. You had places like the British Museum, which was open in the middle of the 18th century. You had uh, all these kind of street performers. You could go and watch fights with men and women. Um, (laughs) you could go to menageries such as the one in the tower of london you could go to executions such as the one of um oh gosh who do we talk about alex the one that was the escapee um jack shepherd jack shepherd of course so people are constantly out and about getting excited for yearly events such as the lord mayor show all sorts of things so um There was a man who realised that there was a bit of money to be made here. And this man was a man called Jonathan Tyres. And he was the one who decided to open up a garden full of pleasure. A place where (laughs) (laughs) um, you could go and view some art. A place which basically was a fashion show and also part brothel. Hey, there we go. That's what we're talking about. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Now, this was the main one in Vauxhall, but you also had quite a large one over in Chelsea as well, which I will mention a little bit. But you also had smaller gardens in Sadler's Wells, Marlebone, Hampstead, and it even caught on in other parts of Europe, such as Paris. And they were places where you would listen to music, dance, eat and drink, enjoy fireworks, operas, illuminations. You just had everything, everything under the stars. Um, But I say under the stars, obviously this is England, so there's going to be a lot of umbrellas up. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, But anyway, let's go back. So we're in the area of Vauxhall, and actually if you go to Vauxhall today, you will find a garden that is called Vauxhall Pleasure Gardens, which has just recently been renamed. Yeah, Um, I noticed that when I was there a little while ago. I was like, oh, this didn't used to be called this. Yeah, it's quite a recent thing. Um, But if we go back, there was the first garden there, which was in 1661, and this was called New Spring Gardens. New because it distinguished it from Old Spring Gardens, which lived over at Charing Cross. Um, This garden was free to enter. It was open to the public. Um, However, you could only reach it if you got onto a boat and you got over from the other side of the river. So this is the time when you don't have any bridges in that part of London until the 1750s when Westminster Bridge is suddenly created. Um, So then we come to this entrepreneur, a man who was born in the area of Bermondsey, Jonathan Tyres. And he leases the land for £250 per year, which is the equivalent of about 35 grand. Oh, that's Um, not bad. That's not bad. That's not bad at all. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I I have to say, though, at the time, a few people probably sniggered because 
it was quite a strange thing to want to lease, especially before you kind of knew what his plans were, because right. the area was already quite seedy. It was basically an urban brothel, um, <laughs> one of many areas. Well, half the work's done for you then, isn't it, really? <laughs> yeah, that's true. Just put up a couple of hedges. <laughs> that's it, you're done. Um, but the first major event that he put on and kind of opened it up for the first time was on the 7th of June, 1732. And he created or put on this fancy dress ball. 400 people came, including uh, Frederick Prince of Wales, who actually owned the land and gardens. Um, and as I say, this was something... Frederick Prince of Wales, known as Freddie Prince Jr. Yes. No, Thank you very be. much, Dan. <laughs> Um, Tyres realised there was, you know, a bit of a market for paid entertainment. And he also thought, if I was charging people to come in, it's probably going to keep away the riffraff, keep away the pickpockets, keep away the prostitutes. Never going to work. Never going to work. (laughs) Spoiler, didn't work. Um, He charged everybody one shilling. Um, And, you know, at the time, a shilling was a substantial sum of money. You know, um, you had to be earning quite a lot. Um, to want to to dish that out, but I reckon that at some point there was a few holes in the hedges and people. Oh, I see. Through, you know, this was going on for about 150 years, so there was got to got to be a few loopholes. You know, yeah. get to know the bouncer on the door, and suddenly you're allowed <laughs> in with your friend. Um, never done that, have you? Em? No, never done that. Never done that. Gosh, no, not me. <laughs> Um, now on this particular night the first night uh, it's quite lovely they've got these um, little pamphlets and old posters that you can find a lot of which are actually in the Museum of London where you can find this fantastic um, uh, exhibition it's like uh, this uh, rotunda this room in the round that you go into with this hall of mirrors and all of these statues that are dressed in their finery and you kind of get a, a little glimpse of what it would have been like to be in a little yeah. bit of the pleasure gardens and you can find these posters that say, on this first night, you had the House of Ambition, the House of Avarice, the House of Bacchus, and the House of Lust, and the Palace of Pleasure. Ooh, that sounds good. Yeah. For one shilling, I'm going in. Yeah, right? <laughs> House um, of Bacchus and House of Lust, count me in. Absolutely. <laughs> so these were all sorts of performances. There were dances, dances uh, danced by women. You had lots of music. And this was a place that you wanted to be seen. You know, you go to see and also to be seen. And this was such an important thing during the 18th century because if you wanted to be part of polite society, it was important that people knew you. And if you lived in London and suddenly people started to talk to you, uh, talk about you for the first time, you know, they would question, well, where have you been? Why is this the first time we're noticing you? So it was very important to be noticed. Mm. And Vauxhall Pleasure Gardens, had the pleasure of having all sorts of famous people from Handel, Casanova, Peeps, Rossini. So you were rubbing shoulders with fantastic people all in one space. And even though you had to pay a shilling, you really did have all manners of classes together enjoying the same music, you know, different ears of people, but all kind of hearing the same thing. Um, so it was a, a place where not only you also had the, um, the kind of the entertainment side of things, but you could also be educated. And actually a man that we talk about quite a lot on our episodes, William Hogarth. Oh, him. You know, I mentioned. Yeah. (laughs) 
So um, it was rumoured that he was actually the one who came up with the idea for the entertainment. So he was quite good friends with Tyres. And apparently he was the one that was saying, well, you could do this, you could do that, you could have this or whatever. And it was him who put up lots of his work, lots of his paintings around the booths and ended up creating this kind of first outdoor gallery in London, if you like. I mean, okay, so this this is what I find intriguing about William Hogarth is... I do always refer to him on my tours as a bit of a Debbie Downer because he is sort of telling everyone how you should live and what you should do and always the kind of, oh, careful, because if you go this way, this is what you're going to do. Is he really the person who should be putting up things at parties? Because I kind of feel like it's gonna he's going to be going, oh, gang, I know you're having a great time, but look, this is what's going to happen. So true, because with William Hogarth, everything he says, you know, there's an element of here's the moral of the blooming story, you know. Yeah, and exactly. Kind of, yeah, probably. Do you reckon he maybe in his private life he was just a ah, don't you know, do as I say, not as I do, and then was just a, you know an all-out party animal? Do you reckon he was? Oh, I don't know. No. I mean, he maybe we'll have to do an episode on him. Yeah, he would have had to have been to quite a few debaucherous events to be able to. Um, all of those things you know when you think about uh, Covent Garden when he's um, uh, doing that sketch of all the all the bad things that would happen to you if you drank too much gin you know I think maybe he actually went down a wrong road himself oh that's a nice idea maybe we're gonna have to do an episode on him yeah yeah anyway so you had lots of artwork and when you entered not straight away, of course, but there would have been a statue eventually of Handel. And this is a statue by a sculptor called Rubliac. And you can actually find this in the V&A. Oh, it's right. Quite, yeah, it's quite lovely. You can get um, quite close to it. And um, it would have been there at the entrance of the gardens. And I think if you were Handel, who would have been there constantly, not only as a, a visitor, but also to perform... You know, you're going to think, oh, that's pretty fantastic. Just going to (laughs) pass my own statue. Um, And in terms of what you would have seen there, at the start, you know, it took quite a while. At at the very beginning, you only had this kind of little house, this little building that you could go into, if you like. Um, And eventually, tyres transformed it into a footman's waiting and cloakroom. So you went through that, and then you entered what seemed like these massive wedding cakes where on the tiers you'd have all of these people in incredible dresses um in their masks because you'd have masquerades going on there would be drinking wine and punch there would be all these kind of like swag of material and decorative effects so i'll put some pictures up on instagram but a lot of the sketches they just look so extreme like this burst of color and just these massive uh, yeah, it's the only way I can describe them, really. Just these huge wedding cakes full of people. Oh, my God. Yeah. That sounds really exciting. Yeah, really. They must have been really enormous, then. They were, yeah. Yeah, really big. I mean, there was one, for instance, which housed the orchestra, and you would never have less than 50 musicians at one time <laughs> performing. So it just must have been amazing. You had this Chinese pavilion. You had a Gothic house. And uh, I found this little quote. I don't know who it was by, but somebody describing what it was like there. And they said, 
It is set within many rows of tall trees kept in excellent order, among which are placed on an incredible number of globe lamps by which it is illuminated. And when they are lighted, the sound of the music ravishing the air, ear, added to the great resort of company, so well dressed and walking about, would almost make one believe he was in the Elysian fields. Ooh. Hmm. And, it's and it like does how- sound, because you always think when, it, when people say the pleasure gardens, it does sound kind of quite decadent, but then you sort of think, oh, but it's it's Georgian, it's it's 18th century, so it's probably a bit, you know, genteel. But actually, it does sound really decadent. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And every little bit of the garden, and of course, you know, it was there for 150 years in the end, so it was constantly changing, constantly evolving. But the sketches and pictures that I've seen, it very much reminds me of the kind of grand... Uh, parks and gardens that you would have found in Paris at the time like is it the Tuileries Tuileries gardens uh, yeah. yeah yeah like that with all the trees that were kind of clipped and very immaculate these huge pathways that led to different corners um you had two amphitheaters there for instance um there were these supper boxes where you could be really close to incredible paintings um and people, in terms of the food, they would go there to enjoy all sorts of different things. But apparently, if you had the beef, it was cut so thin that you could see through it. <laughs> um, and there are these like kind of comical sketches of like this man, this kind of well-to-do man, who's holding up this piece of meat as if it's kind of like a dirty pair of pants. And <laughs> see, the way he's holding it up away from it. <laughs> And there's like this um, this candle that's flickering through because it's so thin. Um, oh, that's hilarious. They, yeah, the, the, the carver, the Vauxhall carver, could cover the whole gardens with the meat from a single ham. <laughs> oh, my goodness. He's, it's like it's waffer thin ham, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and in terms of expense as well, because you had to pay that shilling to go in, but then if you wanted, a little bit like Chelsea Gardens, um, you know, the the flower show, if you go in, you have to, of course, purchase any drinks or food that you're having. So in 18... I went to Wonderland. (laughs) Yeah, exactly, exactly. Um, It said that uh, a minute portion of ham and two tiny chickens cost 11 shillings. You could get assorted biscuits and cheese and cakes for another couple of shillings. It's like central London prices now, isn't it? Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. Um, Apparently the wine was fantastic. It was of the best vintage. Um, And a lot of people... Unspecified, unspecified vintage, but just the best one. (laughs) Unspecified best vintage. Um, They had this Arak Punch which was uh, apparently a heady liquor made from mixing grains of the Benjamin flower with rum. Are they just making stuff up now? I've never heard of a Benjamin flower. No, and I have tried to research a Benjamin flower and nothing's come up. It just Uh, came up with a particular person called Benjamin flower. Um, Maybe that's who's in it. Maybe maybe, it's the burkers again. Maybe they're selling people to be in punches now. Yeah, perhaps so. Um, but there is this uh, one little piece I found of a couple of people that were dining, obviously having a, a whale of a time. They said, we minced seven chickens into a china dish, which Lady Caroline stewed over a lamp with three pots of butter and a flagon of water, stirring and rattling and laughing. And we every minute expecting the dish to fly about our ears. She had even brought Betty, the fruit girl, with hampers of strawberries and cherries from Roger's... Uh, 
from Rogers, I don't know what Rogers is, and made her wait upon us, and then made her sup by us at a little table. In short, the whole air of our party was sufficient. Oh my goodness. <laughs> you can just imagine, can't you? So I guess with that, you know, I guess you could perhaps bring your own food in. She's obviously yes. got her... Um, you know, one of her workers, Betty the Fruit Girl, to come yeah. in. And Rogers, whoever Rogers is. Yeah, yeah. Whoever <laughs> the hell Rogers is. <laughs> um, later in the booths as well, you had these incredible murals painted by Francis Heyman, and apparently they had to be frequently touched up due to them being so closely examined by all sorts of curious onlookers and people that were obviously eating just within the box itself. Brilliant. Um, Handel, as I mentioned, he would be a visitor, but he also was a composer in residence. And you could become incredibly famous if you were there to perform. People would get to know you because, you know, this was on mainly through the summer months, but nearly every day of the week. So they wouldn't have a whole new host of performers every single week. It would be crazy to be able to find that many. Yeah. So, and also... It would be quite rare if you paid that shilling that it would be your only time to go. You probably went quite a lot. Um, a lot of people coming from the city by boats, you know, so that would be the excitement as well, that you'd meet, you'd get in a boat, have a couple of drinks, and then you'd arrive. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, so people got to know the music. People got to know the people. Vocal music was introduced from 1745. Like, what, like I mean, singing, I guess. In terms of singing, yeah. And right. you had uh, people like Mrs. Arne, who apparently was one of the greatest English sopranos of the 18th century. Oh. And uh, I love this. I found this quote by historian Charles Burney, who said um, that her good natural voice, she's got a good natural voice and a fine shake. Uh, oh, her style of vibrato, I guess. <laughs> well, well maybe. I hope so. <laughs> She's moving in a particular way. Um, <laughs> her style of singing was infinitely superior to that of any other English woman of her time. Wow, high praise indeed. High praise from Mrs. Arm. Um, you'd have all sorts of ditties, witty, simple, a bit elegant. One which was by Daniel Purcell called Cupid Make Your Virgins Tender. Oh, hello. First four, first four <laughs> lines being, Cupid make your virgins tender, make them easy to be won. Let them presently surrender when the treat is once begun. <laughs> oh, Purcell, you saucy devil. I know, it later goes... Her prattle, prattle, tittle, tattle, all engaging, most obliging. <laughs> so all very kind of, you know. It's all uh, a bit saucy, isn't it? It's all a bit saucy. It's all a bit saucy. And you could purchase the sheet music. So that could be a little souvenir that you might want to take away with you. And this sheet music was sold all around the world. And that's the thing as well. You're not going to get home and be able to download it and go, oh, that was such a fantastic song. No. Let me listen to it again. <laughs> the only way really was to pay that shilling and to go yeah. and hear it for the second time and, uh, you know, be wowed by it just as you were the first. I mean, it's, it's a good USP, isn't it? Mm. Really? Yeah, absolutely. Um, I mentioned that it started off being one shilling. It was raised to two shillings from Outrageous. 1792 at 
blooming outrageous. Um, and this is when fireworks were introduced as oh. well. And there was a huge event that Handel performed to. It was this big royal fireworks show where there were a hundred musicians with him and an audience of twelve thousand. Ah, oh, now what is this? This is what's the name of this? What the name for the actual show? Yeah. Or the piece that he writes for this. Is this the piece, um, music for the Royal Fireworks? Is that that one? Yeah, yeah. Because that is a really famous piece. Yeah, it is, yeah. Wow. Yeah, so, I mean, this was... I hadn't realised that's where it started, at the uh, at the Vauxhall Pleasure Gardens. Yeah, I mean, he really kind of made himself a name at this point. I mean, people knew him anyway, but, you know, I think that performing in Vauxhall Pleasure Gardens certainly um, lifted his... His popularity. Wow. Didn't realise yeah. that. Gosh, interesting. Yeah. Um, now, there were all sorts of walks, all sorts of avenues. Um, you had the Grand Walk, which was this avenue of elm trees. Um, just really, as I say, in terms of their only pictures, obviously, in sketches. And I really hope that they they do or they did it justice because the pictures are just so beautiful and so precise and so neat and tidy. I mean, I'm sure, obviously, you know, there were all sorts of handbags, shoes and wigs laid all over the place. <laughs> but just it, it's just beautiful. And you had uh, triumphal arches. You had uh, these kind of um, trompe-loys, if you like. There were these realistic paintings that were... Uh, in parts of or at the end of certain pathways that were ruins ruins of various places and many visitors thought that the ruins were actually authentic oh really oh, that's fun. yeah so it gives you that kind of that feeling that you're moving into different worlds um on gala nights apparently the paintings were replaced with uh, gothic temples or something that was connected to to you know what the actual gala night was you had south walk the Hermit's Walk, which was the smallest, the Grand Crosswalk, which ran through the whole garden at right angles. Um, and there was one called the Grand Walk, where right. in the middle you would have all these kind of, I guess, high society people. It was the walk that you were going to go to if you really wanted to show yourself off, if you like. Oh, wow. So this whole like going walking thing was it's part of this... Georgian thing of showing yourself off it's all of that absolutely so the paths are there not necessarily because you want to get from A to B but to have a reason to be able to walk and move and show perhaps you know your latest dress or the latest man on your arm and it would have been quite exciting during the masquerades because you would arrive with a mask over your face and the excitement of being able to look at somebody or earwig and have them unaware of who you are yeah um you know especially i guess in the debaucherous sense where <laughs> you could be like i swear i thought you were my husband oh that's, oh, that's amazing <laughs> you were wearing a mask i honestly i just <laughs> I, thought I, I meant i didn't mean to grab oh. you there <laughs> oh dear and you had also um these walks that were specifically for debauchery they were called the dark walk the druid walk and the lover's walk so you know oh, so they're actually leaning into this they're not they're not sort of 
it's not like debaucherous and they're trying to stop it. They're leaning in to the... Well, I mean, I don't think that Tyres wants to stop it because he probably thinks that he's making quite a lot of money here. You know, a lot of people are wanting to specifically go because they know that if they go to Dark Walk, they're going to find lots of ladies of the night and romantic mm. thoroughfares. Be able to get them um, anyway. Yeah, but, you know, the magistrates they and the court, they did hear about this and they did actually send him quite a few court orders to fence oh. it off, to fence off that part. Um, yeah. John Keats, who we spoke about just a couple of weeks ago, I think. Mm. I can't remember why we were talking about him. Possible oh, body snatcher. It was, wasn't it? It was literally just last week. Yeah. So he um, he wrote, there was one of his uh, pieces titled A Sonnet to a Lady Seen for a Few Moments at Vauxhall. Oh, hello. So, you know, people were talking about the fact that you had these these dark alleys and these areas um these three walks in particular they on purposely were not lit they were dark they were shaded so that you could get away with whatever whatever it is you wanted to how exciting how excited (laughs) um Bring back the pleasure gardens, I say. Yeah, exactly, exactly. Bring back the pleasure gardens. And there were these kind of print shops at the time which sold images with titles. There were like images of um, like uh, women, women of the night, prostitutes. And the titles were the Vauxhall Demi Rep, for instance. So it was kind of leaning towards um, connecting prostitution and women of certain um industries industry were connected to Vauxhall and you know I mean this is the time when they say that one in five people were involved in the sex trade in some way whether was that was somebody who was actually uh you know uh, gaining or I shouldn't really say gaining but buying sex or offering sex themselves but this is of course the 18th century and there's hardly any jobs for women so this is massively why um but anyway there was one scandal that i must tell you about do do i love a scandal um, (laughs) have you heard of a woman called elizabeth chudley i have not no sorry i'm so upset i've just broken my pen (laughs) oh no Tell the lovely folk what your pen is, Emily. (laughs) That'll teach you to fiddle with your pen. I've just been fiddling with my pen. So my pen is one of the... I found it the other day, and it's one of those pens where you turn it upside down and the gentleman... (laughs) The picture of the gentleman, his pants fall down. (laughs) (laughs) And they won't fall anymore. He's keeping his pants on. (laughs) On the... um, Oh, a disappointment. Uh, on the conversation of scandals, so Elizabeth Chudley. So apparently in 1749, there was a fancy dress masquerade. And this courtier, who was a little bit kind of cheeky anyway, she came dressed as a classical figure of um, Iphigenia. And her costume basically consisted of a scarf, a chiffon scarf. Right. And there uh, are these sketches. And it just holds nothing to the imagination. <laughs> like she is exposed and then some and this was only about what kind of like five years no about 10 years since the first performance or first night that was open at Vauxhall Pleasure Gardens so you know if somebody is is openly being that exposed basically anything goes nobody is shocked with anything anymore do you know what I mean like it is the place where you go um 
I don't know, like, I remember going to Camden in my 20s and just thinking, wow, like, you can be anybody and no one blinks an eye. Yeah. You know, or nobody turns their head. And I think that Vauxhall Pleasure Gardens would have massively have been like this. You know, wow. you can do, do anything, get away with anything and be anyone. Amazing. Um, also, quite a few different kind of books, ballads, prints, um, took on these stories and what was going on at Vauxhall Pleasure Gardens. So, for instance, uh, Francis Burney, who was a writer, he wrote Virtuous um, Avelina. Um, who talks about this woman who um, is going through the trees and she's uh, looking for men um, and she's hiding within one of the dark alleys in Vauxhall Pleasure Gardens. Um, you've also got William... What's she looking for the men for, I wonder? I know, I wonder. <laughs> I wonder. Um, William Thackeray, um, comic... There was a comic character that he wrote about in Vanity Fair, suffering literature's worst hangover after a night on Vauxhall's Punch. Oh, really? Yeah. <laughs> it sounds like a great place. Yeah, it does, totally. And have you seen... Um, Bridgerton first series uh, I've seen the first series yeah yeah so do you remember those uh, I can't remember which episode it is but there is a moment when suddenly all of these oil lamps are turned on and it's this like kind of shock and just awe of this beauty oh this yeah. yeah garden so this is obviously around the same era and apparently if the gardens were making money then most nights you would have this illumination all of these kind of lights in the trees and they just be incredibly romantic. Yeah. And you've got to remember as well that if you're on the other side of the river or if you're walking around Vauxhall Pleasure Gardens, you can't see it. It's not like there's a fence. There would be a huge kind of hedge that would be way too high for you to really get a glimpse of anything. Okay. Well, I say that. You might well have been able to see kind of the top of these um, big structures, like I mentioned, these kind of wedding cake structures. Yeah probably be able to hear a little bit of the music and kind of hear, you know the laughter and just this noise of entertainment which would just make you want to go in even more um so you had these illuminations you had tightrope walkers you had hot air balloon rides and i have to say at this point in the early 1800s when you have almost these kind of circus performers coming in it starts to push the elite out. Oh, okay. The elite are starting at this point to move into um, interior spaces for entertainment. Right. They're starting to want to spend time in public art galleries, music halls being created, pubs as well are starting to open. So they said that, you know, if you did go to Vauxhall Pleasure Gardens as from about the 1820s, then you were probably slumming it. Right. Up to no good. (laughs) So, yeah, it changes quite dramatically. Oh, you can imagine people being like, you know, the way that people do today, of, oh, I remember when Soho was like this, that and the other, people going, I remember when Vauxhall Pleasure Gardens was, you know, it wasn't quite as seedy as it is today. <laughs> yes. You can imagine them doing that, can't you? Exactly. Um, and I, I should say that Tyres, he actually died in 1767. His sons, Thomas and Jonathan, they took over. Um, and they took over until it, until it closed, which was in 1859. Oh, wow. Yeah. So Partly concerned the entire way then. Yeah, Gosh. yeah. Um, and the closure was marked by a seven-night event which took place in 1859 in July with fireworks, concerts, food, um, all sorts of dancing. 
Um, so it must have been quite a sad thing. And there are these, um, as I say, lovely little posters, in particular the farewell poster that you can find on display at the Museum of London. That's so now, lovely. Yeah. And after this, all everything um, was put up in auction. You know, if it wasn't sold there and then to somebody, you had oh, so much things, so many things, which I kind of question, you know, where are they now? Yeah. Like you had... Um, uh, blue dinner plates, three hat boxes, the stock of soda water glasses, brandy glasses. I mean, literally place. everything, fire sale kind yeah, of thing. Everything, absolutely everything. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. You imagine them being in somebody's cupboard somewhere and somebody being like, yeah, I don't know where these these blue glasses came from, but it's sort of like a family heirloom, right? Oh, that'd be so cool. Yeah. Yeah. Um. Now, houses were eventually built over the top of the gardens. Um, and then obviously during World War Two, there was a lot of destruction, even in this part of London over near Vauxhall. So after World War Two, all of the houses were then cleared away and it was turned into a public park again. Um, at this point, it was then called Spring Gardens. So if you remember, I mentioned, what was it, New Spring Gardens? Yeah. So then it became Pleasure Gardens, Vauxhall Pleasure Gardens, and then uh, Spring Gardens. Right. And this today is now known as Vauxhall Pleasure Gardens. And it has, a, well, a very beautiful um, setting, actually. It's been awarded a green flag, um, which if you don't know if you're around London, or around England, actually, I think, um, there are lots of parks that have these lovely kind of lime mm. green flags. And it basically means that you've ticked lots of different boxes in the way of um, uh, aesthetics and different things that the park will yeah. uh, offer Community people. focus and things as well. There's lots of yeah. lots of flags to it, isn't there? Flag, yeah. flags, so levels to it. Yeah. And there are actually um, two figures in Vauxhall Pleasure Gardens, which are in 17th century dress, these oh. kind of statues that you can find in the gardens now, um, which kind of give you a bit of a, a bit of a nod in the direction of what people would have looked like back then in the gardens. And this is all around the area um, where there's now kind of a little near the railway line where there's archways with pubs and things like that. It's all that section behind there, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. And also it's connected to Vauxhall City Farm, which is along Tyres Street, which is obviously named uh, oh. Jonathan. So um, there is still kind of almost, you know, that entertainment thing is still there. It's just very different now. Yeah. Plus yeah. loads of, you know, gay clubs and drag clubs, which are, I yeah, guess. Yeah, the odd sheep. Leaning in at the odd sheep. Vauxhall City Farm. Oh, with the farm. I wonder where you were going with that. That was so funny. Um, <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, so it's you know there's still an element of of um, I guess community and and entertainment. Yeah, today. yeah, absolutely. Um, so yes, I did just want to mention Ranley Pleasure Gardens as well. Ranley lived on the opposite side of the river in the area of Chelsea, and the gardens was basically built on a site which is east of the Royal Hospital, Chelsea. Right. Yeah. Which. Um, you know, if you are a garden lover, it's where you would have um, Chelsea Flower Show today. Um, and originally you had a house there which was built for Lord Ranley, hence Ranley Pleasure Gardens. The gardens were opened by a man that was connected to Drury Lane Theatre, a man called James Lacey. Oh, good name. Is it spelled the correct way? Um, e actually, it's spelled L-A-C-Y. It's oh, not it's e the wrong way. It's the wrong way. Okay. He That's doesn't count. Way. 
Mm. Um, Unless so, he's super cool, in which case he might count. True, true. <laughs> um, and Rowley, it seems to be um, a little bit of a step up. It costs two shillings and oh. six to go in. And this That's is from safe. the get-go. So, you know, it really kind of was for the elite. And visitors came to admire a fountain of mirrors, apparently. There was oh. this kind of... Um, room of just lots of mirrors that were on top of each other um intriguing yeah intriguing people would go to the concerts there was this 200 foot wide rotunda which was modeled on the roman uh, pantheon there was this uh room where you had a fireplace just in the middle an organ 52 candles that were lit around the organ every single night guests would move around in a circle they would drink they would stop they would chat um wow. it seemed so, um a little bit more i i haven't read that there was any kind of debauchery really at okay. Ramley gardens it seemed a little bit more on the um the sensible side of things <laughs> how dull um <laughs> classic lacy make it yeah. make it dull yeah move on um and this eventually closed well before um before Vauxhall Pleasure Gardens it was closed in 1803 okay so clearly not as popular no Um, no we like a bit of filth don't we we do and they also had their own kind of um in-house musician which was Mozart oh casual casual Mozart going against Handel just literally opposite the river as well and um, I read that there was a notorious uh, incident that everybody was talking about in 1764 where Mr. Brown pulled off Dr. John's uh, wig. Yeah. Oh, thank goodness. <laughs> <laughs> oh, really wondered where that was going then. <laughs> oh, okay. Yep. Lovely. Uh, I was trying to find out who Mr. Brown and Dr. John was and I couldn't. But apparently this was an absolute spectacle that people were talking about for years. Oh, that's so funny. Oh, dear me. But anyway, I will think, well, I think I will leave that there. Yeah, definitely leave it there. It's uh, (laughs) at the pulling off of of wigs. Goodness me. Oh, fabulous. Thanks, Em. I've always wanted to know a bit more about the uh, the Pleasure Garden. So um, that's that's answered a few questions of mine. Because I I couldn't ever quite picture them. And I just imagined, I don't know, people just sort of... Being in the garden going, oh, this is nice, isn't it? Whereas actually it was so much more. So much more. You know, sort of. Yeah, and it would have gone hours. Like there are accounts of people not getting home until 3 a.m. in the morning, you know, because a lot of people would have had to have waited for a waterman to get into a boat and then get to the other side of the river, go all the way to the city, you know, probably fall in the Thames, (laughs) drop all sorts of things out of their pocket that Lara's then going to find. Yes. (laughs) Yeah. Oh my god, I love it! It sounds brilliant. I mean, I want to go, really. Yeah, I do. Bring it back. Bring it back. Let's let's start a petition. Yeah. Bring agreed. back. Uh, bring back the Vauxhall Pleasure Gardens as debauched mm. as ever. Yeah. That sounds amazing. Oh, thank you, Emily. You're welcome. Good stuff. Podcast pedestal. So, picking your podcast pedestal this week. Do you know where you're going? I think I do actually. Okay. Yeah. Go on Probably, then. Uh, Jump to it. Yeah, I think get stuck in. Oh, actually, now that I've come, come to think about it, I've got two. Okay. So I'm quite tempted to go for the thin meat, <laughs> the see-through beef, but I don't think that really kind of um, sums up what Vauxhall Pleasure Gardens 
was. So I think okay. I'm going to go for Elizabeth Tudley and her outrageous costume. I do love that. I think that's brilliant. Hmm. Um, I'm quite tempted to go for um, Handel and his 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 um, royal uh, fireworks music. Oh, because I kind of I'm quite a big fan of Handel. I've I've sung a lot of his pieces over the years, and I don't know. I kind of I feel like the fact that when you said Handel was there, I was quite surprised. I was like, oh gosh, I hadn't quite expected him to be there. Don't know why. Just to point out that Alex is uh, part of a choir. I mean, it's not one of those things. No, I just sing, I just I sing in the shower. To, I just do, I just know, do handle in the shower. <laughs> 1990s. Um, oh, yeah, I'm, uh, it's all, all the hits over my gaff. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, I kind of, I like that. I, I, I you know, handle's a, a bit of a big deal. And we talk about it when we go to Westminster Abbey a lot, don't we? Um, we do, yeah. And... I quite like the idea of him popping up there and having a bit of a part to play in this big old party that's going down in amongst... Because you think of Handel as being, you know, a lot of people think of classical music as being a bit staid and a bit, you know, boring. And I like the Mm. idea that all of this supposed staid, boring music is happening in and around this, frankly, brilliantly debauched bit of fun London kind of, you know, experience. I think it's great. So I think I've talked myself into handle, yeah. I agree, yes. Good choice. Yeah. So we've got Elizabeth Tudley and her... Um... Exciting outfit, not outfit. Barely there. Exactly. A little bit of chiffon. Barely there attire. Yes. Um, and handle. Handle. What do you his... want handle's um, piece think, in particular? Handle and his, and his fireworks music, Royal Fireworks music. The Royal Fireworks music. I like that idea. Yeah. Fabulous. Well, that, there quite, you go, quite a, quite a sort of realisation when we... And I sort of went... Oh wait, that's the Royal Fireworks music, and I was like, "Well, I know that music." Um, it's quite. Oh, yeah, I hadn't quite realised put put two together, and it's 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 really pleasing me. So that's where I'm going to go. Yeah. Oh, good, jolly good. The Wheel of Destiny. So, do we have? We've sort of done our parish notices for this week already, haven't we? Yeah, done our parish notices. Um, so well, let's just crack straight on with the. Uh... The Wheel of Destiny. Wheel of Destiny. Okay, is there anywhere in particular you want to go? Um, Well, I'm just trying to think. So what have we done lately? We've done a bit of blood and gore. We've done... Have we done people lately? Trying to think. Um, Have we done people lately? What did I do last time? I think we've done quite a few people. Maybe I fancy a thing or an event. I think let's... Yeah, I think maybe a thing or an event. Let's see what we've got. Okay, great. Give it a go. I'm spinning. It's landed on our old faithful Westminster. Oh, brilliant. The Westminster with, with myriad opportunities. Um, okay. Uh, oh, i tell you where I was this morning. And I remember thinking this would be a really good option. Um, it's the Royal Aquarium. Oh. Do you know this? I've heard of it, but I don't... It's not the London Aquarium. In fact, it's not even an aquarium. It's a sort of theatre and and almost like an event space that was around in the sort of 1800s. It was a bit of a big deal. And it doesn't exist anymore. It's where the Methodist Central Hall is today. Oh. Yeah. Oh, well up for that. It was called the Royal Aquarium, but was not actually an aquarium. Right. Yeah. So but I'm going to do that, I think. Sorry? 
Is there water involved? In in, in part, yeah. Mm. I'm not going to tell you everything now because because that would ruin it. But I think the Royal okay. Aquarium. Well, I'll definitely tune in next week. Let's do that. Well, you have to. You have to be here. I've got to be here. I go or not. So that's it next week. Now, don't don't be put off by a boring sounding Royal Aquarium. It's it's really quite fascinating. I think it sounds fantastic. Yeah. I am no, I'm genuinely excited. Plus, yeah. good news, and I know you're worried. My pen is working again. Yay! His pants have come down. Brilliant. Yeah. <laughs> See, I knew it was only a matter of time. <laughs> well, listen, that's it for this week. Emily's uh, off to uh, to consult her pen some more. I'm off to go and uh, <laughs> drink loads of honey and lemon. And we will see you next week. Uh, for another episode of Ladies in London podcast. Thank you all Thank for Thank you, as on. always, guys, for tuning in. Love you lots. See you next week. Bye. Bye. Bye.